At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. All right, so now it's my turn to share, and uh, I totally get it. It's a little weird. I actually have not used a podium in close to a decade, okay? This is an official podium. I always use a, a round table, so um, I feel kind of cool, you know? I wish I had a big ring that I could slam and yell, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. I just want to get to know you, and I believe in the power of the word, even with uh, me being up here for the very first time and being able to talk on a, on a topic that I think in our world's eyes can be very confusing. We understand the concept of wisdom, but what does it mean biblically? So I want to start with a story, and I actually need to start with my wife's grandpa, very interesting man, uh, professor for years, but he was one of those guys where when you talked to him, he gave you way too many details. You know what I'm talking about? And so we were living in Hannibal, Missouri at the time, and we were talking about a trip that we went on, and he went on to tell us his entire road map from El Paso, Texas, because that's where he was for, for 30 years, all the way up to uh, the Chicago area. And so he said, first I went on Highway 33, and then I went north 52 miles on Highway 47. You guys know what I'm talking about? And he would say he would use this road map, and he would have to update it every two years because there's always new roads and highways coming in. And I was, I was literally like zoning out. I was becoming comatose, and I was like, what is happening? Uh, because I have this thing called a phone that tells me where to go, okay? Um, and so he was telling me about that, and, and I really remember thinking, I'm like, man, what in the world did people do before GPS, right? Like I remember when I was in high school uh, that you would go and you'd go to your computer and you would uh, get your map quest out and you'd print out the directions and you'd drive with them and be like, oh man, I missed my turn. I still remember that for about a year. And then this random dude with two first names started yelling at me. His name was Tom Tom, okay? Uh, and so I Tom Tom until that was stolen at my college. And, uh, and so I Tom Tom, and then the smartphone came out, and the smartphone started telling me where to go. And so now I get in a car, I head in the direction I think I need to go, and I text the person, not while driving, and, and I tell them, hey, uh, send me your location, I'm headed your way. Bam, I'm done, right? And so I think about that. The thing about the before, uh, before you had GPS, before you had TomTom, Tom, before you had a smartphone and, and Google Maps and all that, uh, before you really had to do homework. You really had to sit down and map out your journey and say, okay, which way am I going to take? Which road and highway is going to work best? Hey, is this a shorter distance? And it took some time, it took some research, but you knew where you were going. 
And so I think about this topic on wisdom, specifically just that wisdom from God, and I wish that it was that simple that we could just uh, uh, go online or type it in our Google Maps and we knew where we were going in our faith. We knew the direction that God wanted for our lives. I wish it was that simple, but the reality is it isn't. It makes you think in so many ways, man, God, what way do you want me to go? What do you want me to do in this situation? What, what area of my life do you want me to give to you? What is it that, that you want me to surrender to you? And, and even go on Siri and be like, Siri, uh, tell God I want this area of my life changed. And then it's like, okay, changed. But, but when it comes down to it, you know, we're in James, and I was actually very excited about this, and I was even talking to Steve Zarelli about it. You know, James, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite books of the Bible, because it's so blunt, it's so clear, it's so practical. And so it even starts here in James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to those in need. It, he just starts off early on and just and jumps into the word of God. But I, but I read this word and I read what, what the word says and, and I go on Google and, and just things in this world, we, we complicate it. You know, for example, um, Google. You know, Google is probably the most knowing thing we have on this earth other than God, right? <laughs> you know, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. He knows everything. And then right below God, there's something called Google. And you type in, let's say, Michigan football, right? The best football program in the country. And so you type in Michigan football. <laughs> Listen, I've been in Louisville for eight years. I've been in em enemy territory I was down there when Michigan lost to Louisville and all that, so it's been painful. So I need some advocates up here. Okay, so I typed in Michigan football in Google and I got 290 million links in .91 seconds. And they're bragging about it. Like, yep, you have this many things you can go on. And so I think about that and our God is smarter and bigger than Google. <laughs> he knows more than us typing in a search on a web engine, whether Bing or Yahoo or Google. And we read that directly in the Word of God. I want to go to Isaiah. I love Isaiah. Isaiah is a very prolific prophet. He, he's kind of bipolar in his own ways because he talks about end times, and then he talks about, you know, Jesus living on earth, and then he talks about the destruction uh, of the Israelites. He's everywhere, right? And one of my favorite pieces of scripture, and I think they're going to put it up here, is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12 through 14. This is what it says. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? You know, we read here that who essentially can, can tell and lead God in these ways? The answer is, is no one. 
No one has ever taught God anything because he already knows everything. He can't learn anymore. I mean, that's a, that's a, a very interesting thought, right? Like, God can't learn anymore because he is all-knowing. And what this piece of scripture is communicating to us is simple yet profound and at times very hard to live out practically. And that is this, mature faith, mature faith seeks God's wisdom. If you are mature in faith, you will seek God's wisdom, especially in those hard, hard times. Think about it with me. When life gets hard and confusing, what is your default? We all have a default. Like when things are challenging or you're tired or you're confused, what is your initial default? Maybe it's picking up your phone and actually calling someone and, and, and asking them, hey, what do you think about this? You know, maybe your default is you just want to veg out on a couch and zone out and not think and watch Netflix, and, and you, just, you just want to get lost in a different reality for a moment. Maybe some people, you, you turn to heavier things, maybe addictions, maybe become very self-deprecating. And, and what we're, we're reading here is those who are mature in faith, they will seek the wisdom of the all-knowing God. And so I want to ask you a question. How do we do that? Because it's one thing to say, okay, what do you do? Who do you go to? But how do we access this wisdom? How do we access and receive this God-given knowledge? We got a couple points. The first is this, that we're going to be reading in James, and that is that God's wisdom is received upon request. We jumped into it a little already, but James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, if you lack it, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, there it is. If we want God's wisdom, we have to ask for it. It might seem a little obvious, right? But if, if we don't have, maybe it's because we don't ask. Or maybe there's a hidden subconscious pride. I don't need to ask God. I, I figure things out on my own. I learn my own way. I, I'll find a way to get to that point where I have God's wisdom or I know what to do. Well, God's saying, hey, if you want this wisdom, the very, very first thing you do is you need to ask for it. God, what do I do about my job? What do I do about my marriage? What, what do I do about this, this situation? What do I do with this friend who does not know you? What do, you, what do I do about myself? I'm doubting you. And the very first place you start is to talk to him. You know, I think about God and I think about relationship. And for some reason, we tend to just stray from, from understanding how much God wants a relationship with us. I don't know. It's, I am just as victim as anyone. I just tend to stray from, wait, God wants to have a relationship with me. All of me. My fires, my messes, 
my ugly closet that I want to hide from everyone. And actually, it tends to say in Scripture that God's not afraid of our fires. He runs into the fire. He runs into the mess. Because we're all messy. We all have our own things, our own ticks that, that God knows about. I mean, come on, he created us. And so when, when he talks about, hey, if you want wisdom, just ask him. It's, it, it's relationship. It's talk to me. Come talk to me about it. Come talk to me about what's going on in your life. Come talk to me about what you need. I, I want to help you. I want to be generous with you. I love this quote by a theologian, John Frame. He said, prayer is a means of fellowship with our heavenly father. Jesus teaches that prayer is like a child going to his earthly father. The child wants something and the father is eager to give, but the father does not give until the child asks. Anyone who is a father or mother understands the dynamic here. We want to give good things to our children, but even more, we want a good relationship with them. Our Heavenly Father wants the same. He does not want to be like a machine that dispenses goods. He wants to be our Father, a real person with us. I love that last part of that because I don't think of God as a, a cosmic vending machine, right? Like, I'm going to pump in some time and you're going to pump out what I want. He's interested in being our, our father, our friend. He isn't interested in, in being our uh, get out of jail free card. He's interesting, interested in being a dad to us, a relational dad. And you have children. We got people that are parents in this room. Okay. Yeah, we got the mm-hmm, right? Yes, I, I know that. I know that a lot. Okay, so I got my, my Hannah Rose, eight. My Milo James, six. My Charlie Von Seal. My wife would say I'm one of the kids as well. Um, uh, and so I got them three. They're fun. And then uh, we foster cared. So at one time we had two one-year-olds together. And that was fun. And then uh, recently we, we uh, fostered a teen mom. And so we had a 17-year-old, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and a zero-year-old. We had, he was one, or one month, yeah, when we got him. And my home was insane, okay? And, and we haven't been by family. We haven't lived by family. So it's just, we're there. We got friends, but we don't have that person. Like, take the kids. I don't even want to see them, you know? Like, we don't have those kind of people right now in our lives. And, uh, and so I remember having this moment where we got all these kids running around. And, and kids are known to be the great uh, requesters, <laughs> right? The great question askers. You know, why, 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 why? You know, all that, right? And uh, my son, he's allergic to cats and dogs, and so we're into reptiles, okay? Never thought I would have two aquatic turtles, one land turtle, a couple fish in there, um, a bearded dragger, dragon, a leopard gecko, and a tomato turtle, or a tomato frog. So we have all these reptiles, and we buy these, uh, or, or, or go to the library and rent out these, uh, <laughs> these reptile books, and they will ask a million questions. Well, why are they like that? Why do these alligators eat people? And, and all this stuff, right? I don't know. Uh, and so I think about kids and children in general. They are a great example to us in how we are supposed to interact with God. 
And, and I just, for some reason, and maybe you guys are more spiritual than me, but sometimes I just don't want to ask because I'm like, man, I should know this by now. You know, I don't want to burden God with my silly requests. When really we should take on the heart of a child, a child who's not afraid to ask, and has a beautiful ignorance because a father wants to respond. As, as tired as I am, as, as annoyed at times as I am, as confused, or I don't know any of the answers, they're still my children. You know, I might just make something up, but at the same point, like, I'm going to give them a response, or I'm going to try to give them a response. We don't need to be afraid to go to God and just ask him, hey, I need, I need help. It's a beautiful humility in that. So uh, can I get real with you? Do I have permission to get real? Because like there's a side of me that I'm like, okay, this is my first time up here. Like, don't be crazy. You know, I'm Greek, by the way. Sorry, I'm crazy. My mom is an hour and a half down the road. Can I come to your sermon? I'm like, no, this is my practice. This is my candidacy sermon. You're not coming, mom. You know, if I come here, you will know Halla. Like, crazy Greek lady, five foot tall. She's nuts. I love her. Okay? Love my mom. But I tend to need to calm myself down. So if you're like, man, this guy's a little wacky, this is me trying to calm down. And uh, so I just want to say, can I get real with you? I want, I want permission. I don't want to waste a moment to be a steward of sharing God's word. Because I read this, and I'm like, man, there's, there, we're here. I want to get a little lower. I want to get a little deeper. And Chesterfield people in Richmond and Lake St. Clair, you guys seem like you're not afraid to hear some truth, right? And so I want to I dig in. I got, I got claps. I My mascara's running. Um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know how to segue into deep stuff now. Um. So what is, and I, and I need you to really think about this, and, and please don't glaze over now. What is the hardest thing right now that you need God's wisdom with? And, and I need you to think about that thing. And maybe nobody knows about that thing. I don't want you to be fluffy about it. I don't want you to say, hey, this is my Mount Rushmore of challenges. No, I want the challenge. The biggest thing in your life right now. You just have shame and guilt and conviction and embarrassment and even maybe hatred for yourself. You hate yourself that you're battling with this. And, and come on, let, let's be real. It's not, oh, I, I swore once this week. <laughs> you know, it's, it's man, I, I just cannot get off of prescription pills. I, I just cannot get over my addictions with, with pornography. I just, I am just crippled by depression. I don't know how else to say it. I don't feel. I'm numb. I'm hurting. Some of us, it's like, I am, I am verbally abusive to my spouse. 
whatever it is, we are humans in this room and we have human broken issues. And if you don't think it's true, if I put a projector of my junk on this wall, you'd be like, get out, don't come back. We all have brokenness. We're one mistake away from being on that projector and feeling just as jacked up as the person right next to us. And I wanna talk about that because those are the areas where God is saying, come to me. Come to me, ask me, I'm here for you, I'm not afraid of it. You think I'm scared? I'm not. I have a son and a cross. And it's so much bigger than anything you want to throw at me. And I'm saying I want to be generous with you. I'm not, I'm not paying you minimum wage. I want to give you LeBron James money. <laughs> I, want, I want to shower you with blessing. And this is where people start to get a little health and wealthy, Right? And we think, okay, if you ask, he's going to give. If, if you look at this and you look at the entire text, he's not talking about financial means. He, he's talking about like real in the trench challenges, battles, persecution, physical health. He, he's talking about these things. It's not about that. And so I think about us. We need to think about the thing in our life that we need God's wisdom with. That's not it, that's not the end of the scripture. James 1.5 talks about, hey, ask, but there are some other parameters to how we ask, and so I wanna talk about those. Uh, the next piece of scripture is verses six through eight in James chapter one, and hopefully we can throw it up here. It says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So let me just explain this real quick. James says here that it's not just any kind of asking that the Lord is going to honor. It's asking that's done in faith without doubting. Again, so you think about this and you're like, okay, well, I have doubts, I have, I have discouragements, I have things that I, that I battle with and, and I just wanna put this in context because who on this side of heaven will have an unwavering, perfect faith, right? It is a battle, we're all striving to it. So I started digging into dictionary.com and there was kind of two synonymous entries on, on this type of doubt. Doubt could be used as um, a phrase to be uncertain. You know, I'm uncertain about this and, and I'm, just, I'm just not sure. And the other phrase is to distrust. And so that's a very small difference there but to distrust, that's a major, major issue. To be like uncertain, that's probably more in the realm that we as Christ followers can, can be in at times. It's like me, I'm, um, I've been in uh, Indiana and Louisville area now for eight years, and so you got uh, Indianapolis Colts fans. I'm a Lions fan, so everyone makes fun of you, right? And <laughs> When I think about the Lions, there is a complete and utter distrust 
Are they playing the Packers this week? Yes. Yeah, they're going to lose, whatever. They'll end at a Hail Mary, and then they'll have an onside kick and lose again. You know, it's like, that's, that's Lions fans. They're, they're like the abusive uncle, right? You always come back to them. And so, uh, and so I think about that, and, and, and being a Lions fan for most of my life, uh, with my paper bag over top, uh, I was down in Indiana for eight years. Indianapolis Colts fans expect to win. They know they're not going to win them all, but they have an expectation we're going to have a winning record. We're going to be uh, in a playoff hunt. We might not win the Super Bowl, but we'll be okay, right? You know, you think about them. This year, they barely lost going in the playoffs. They kind of fell apart in the end, but they had a winning record, and they, they should have made the playoffs. They were competitive, all of it. There's an expectation. And so when you think, oh, are they going to beat the Ravens this week? They're like, ah, there's a good chance. But they're not like, oh, I don't care. They're going to lose. I'll still watch and be miserable, right? Like there is still hope, right? You see what I'm saying? Like there is an expectation. And then you have Louisville basketball and then an hour away is Kentucky basketball. And they all think they're the best thing ever. And so like, yeah, we're going to smack you. And if they lose, oh, that person was injured or whatever. They'll make up excuses and, and they'll make themselves feel better. But the thing is, that's what I think of when I think of the scripture. When it talks about being double-minded, it's like, you know, it doesn't mean that at times we're like, man, like I believe, but man, it is, it is a little, it's wigging me out a little. It's not like, oh, God's not going to show up. That's a distrust. That is a real hard thing you got to work through. But it's okay to be in the realm like, I'm going to put my trust in you. Man, it is hard. Like, it is tough. And, and, and you've shown up before, but this one is really scary. And, and, and so I want you to know that it's not like kick open the door with your Bible and be like, I don't have zero doubt. Praise God if you get to that point, but it's okay if we're at a place where we're working and growing and learning to trust God through following him. Because I know today, my trust in him is a lot different than what it was when I first gave my life to him. I started to learn at that point, I was an infant. And when something went bad, I just, you know, I was a baby, I was crying, I need milk, right? But now, maybe a toddler or, you know, I got potty trained, whatever. And, and now I've been like, oh, he's shown up. He's done this before. I know my God. I know my savior. He will be there. And so it's just a difference. You learn, you trust through time, through experience, but it still does not mean we, we don't have moments where God, he just, he stretches us and we're like, I'm gonna put my faith in you, but whew, this is hard. It's like being a Colts fan instead of a Lions fan. <laughs> Please don't hit me. <laughs> so I want us to think about this. When it comes to your trust and allegiance to God, would you consider yourself double-minded? If I just say, hey, are you double-minded or are you not? Where would you land? Because that's, that's a very <laughs> refining question. You know what? I, I say I believe in God, but I really don't. I say I have faith in him, but when, when push comes to shove and I look back, I really, I really don't. 
God wants us to have a, a faith that believes. We request, but we believe when we request. We believe when we ask. James goes on to say this actually further. Um, it talks about that wisdom giving that God will, will hand us, but what happens after? So we're supposed to ask and, and believe and have faith, but then what happens after we ask with faith and, and we've actually received, and that's what I want to dig into. It's, uh, we're going to bounce ahead a couple verses, verse 19 through 26. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer her acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now I know we, we skipped ahead, but it's appropriate to do so because these scriptures highlight the nature of wisdom according to James, especially the truth that wisdom results in action. Like the results, everything, the putty of the request and the faith, it results into an actual action of, of, of doing something. I love James, because there's 108 uh, verses in all the book of James, and about 54 to 60 of them are direct commands. So you wanna talk about practical Christian living, over half the book, he's like, okay, let's go. This is how you live, this is how you act, this is what you do. That helps me, because sometimes I'm like, it's like love your neighbor, well how do I love my neighbor? Well, go and do this, well how do I do this? James, he doesn't beat around the bush, he is right in the middle of it, challenging us, speaking truth in us, that doers, you're doers of the word. You're not just hearers. You know, I love the quote by uh, St. Francis. Maybe you've heard it before. I've shared it on multiple occasions throughout the years. And it says, share the gospel always, but when necessary, use words. Or maybe it's discipleship. You know, discipleship isn't, isn't taught, it's caught. You know, people will see the gospel through the life that you live, not just the words that you say. And we live in a, in a world where people love to do a lot of talking and, and very little walking. Even if you look at Jesus and you look at the life of Jesus and you're just like, I'm just going to look at Jesus's life and the sermons he preached. If you look, often he, he did an action and then he shared a message. He allowed his actions to give him a platform for sharing a message. And, and I'll give the perfect example, uh, me. You guys don't know how I am in my marriage. You have no clue how I am as a father. Uh, you don't know if I cheat on my taxes. You don't know if I'm gonna go out the door and, and pop a cigarette and, and drink and drive. You don't know anything, right? 
which would be crazy. You're like, oh, there's the pastor. I'm like, woo, you know? Uh, But you don't know any of that. All you know is a limited window of a dude on a stage sharing for 30 to 40 minutes about the wisdom of God. You know, and if I come here, it'll be through time and experience, hopefully, that you're like, man, I think that guy actually means what he says. Not because of this, but because of the life that I live. My uh, professor in college, he always said this, the, the sermon is not the 30 minutes on stage, it's the life that you live. It's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. You know, that the person actually backs what they are saying. I'm a, I don't know about you guys, but I've been in enough churches throughout my life to know that sometimes this doesn't align with this. And it hurts. It builds distrust. And so when he talks about wisdom and believing and, and requesting and I want to hear it, and then it turning into action, he knows, hey, if you want real wisdom, it's going to take life change. Because sometimes what he tells you, okay, I'm going to give you the answer. You're like, ooh, not that. Like, really? Okay, here's your answer. You want wisdom? You believe? Great. Here's what you want. You're like, yeah, um, I, that's, that's not what I want. I was hoping you would say something like this. And so James, he, he jumps into this. And he says again, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So he says, certainly you need to receive the word implanted. Then he uses this amazing illustration of a mirror. And sometimes I like mirrors, sometimes I don't, okay? And and one of the things that I hate (laughs) is when I look in the mirror after talking with people, and there's something in my nose or my teeth, okay? And I have been in a lot of trouble with my wife before when I don't tell her there's something in her teeth. Literally, I've seen the claws come out and, and it's like we have this unwritten code, right? We have relationships in here. Can I get real again with you? It's like that's part of your job, maybe 75 to 85% of your job, right? When there's something in your teeth, something in your face, whatever. And, and there's been times I have not told my wife because I thought it was funny, okay? And I was like, oh. she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, because it was hilarious, you know? And that was bad. But it's, it's interesting because... When you look in a mirror, you're like, oh, that's how I actually look. Oh, you know, or you're like, I'm looking good. (laughs) You know, you see who you really are. So when we look in the mirror of God's word, (laughs) we see who we really are in Christ. So when he says, hey, put away this stuff, the filthiness, the darkness, the sins, have the word implanted. It's like, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Oh, buddy. You know, like, I actually have an area I need to grow in. The mirror reveals the things in our life that are legit, the things that aren't. You know, I know I look like Zac Efron and Brad Pitt. I get it, you know? (laughs) But sometimes the mirror's foggy and I might look a little different, you know? But when I look in that mirror, I still see a a Greek, big-lipped, you know, dark-haired man, and, and I still see that person, and occasionally I see some asparagus in my teeth. And so I think we need to be real with looking into that mirror and seeing God's 
word and seeing that it will, it will take change. It will take sacrifice. And so when we go to him, God's wisdom will result in action. You know, I think about even some more scripture. It talks about the next couple verses. Pure and undefiled religion is helping orphans and widows. He gives us some ways to help. All right, you know, you want to have wisdom, you want to love, you want to be religious? Love the orphans. Love the widows. Love the hurting. Help the marginalized. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to be financial and time-consuming. But you want to you figure it out? You want to figure out something to do? There you go. You got something that you can do. And so all this comes back to this one phrase that I said early on. I want to say it again. Mature faith seeks God's wisdom. So ask, request, ask in faith, and allow those things to turn into action when God tells you what you need to know. You know, uh, actually I was able to teach on James and we did this thing at my last church where on Tuesday nights we released a 45 to 50 minute expository Bible study on the book of James and we would just do that for about six weeks. I think that's how long it took me to do it. And I remember just digging deeper into the word and, and going beneath the surface. And really, when I think about this text, and I think about anyone, whether in Chesterfield or down further into Detroit, you know, I think a lot of us, we're, we're not afraid to ask. We're not, af- and, and even like we might believe, but we're not afraid to at least challenge ourselves to think, okay, am I double-minded, am I real? It's that last tier that we tend to get stumped with. Because God is willing to take you to places you might not even know you want to go or need to go. And so I want to challenge you before we end, be courageous. You know, courage is not the, the emptiness of, of fear. There's going to be fear involved. You know, don't be complacent. Don't be afraid to go into the unknown. That's usually where you need to go. When you're most uncomfortable, that usually, uh, usually means you're on the right track. So let me pray for us, and we're going to end in worship. God, thank you again for this morning. Thank you that we could uh, just talk about you and your, and your word and what it means to have wisdom. And again, thank you for allowing a man and I and our kids to come out here um, to, to Chesterfield, to this campus, to be able to talk and, and share and get to know some amazing people. And I just... I just pray right now, God, let your hand be on this community, on this area. Let your name be lifted high. Let your gospel go out. Let people's lives be changed forever. And those here, let them grow deeper in knowledge of you. We love you, God, and we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.